0: Thankful for all that he has, he has done. Uh, thankful for the way he has, he has spoken over the past several weeks as, as we have been going through this idea of looking at the the life of David, looking at the experiences that he had, the uh, significant parts of the story that many of them we've read or we know before, um, and, and looking at how they parallel our life in many aspects and how they also parallel the life of Christ, the gospel story that Christ came to, uh, to, to speak into existence, to give to us, to tell us about. There are many things that David in his life already began to foreshadow what Christ was going to do in the, in the truth, and the new life, and the new covenant that he was going to create. Amen. Yeah, we've spoken on several topics over the past couple weeks, but this morning we're going to come, we're going to go into Scripture. If you want to go ahead and be turning over into Second Samuel chapter 6, we'll start at verse 3 and read to the finish of the chapter. Um, but today we're going to be speaking on opinions, okay? Opinions. As you're turning there, before we read, just you know, just for a moment, begin to to think about opinions, right? Yeah. We all have opinions on different things, on varying topics. If I were to ask you where your favorite or the best place to eat in in the county or in Knoxville to go to eat would be, many of you would give different opinions. Texas Roadhouse is definitely one of our favorites, and um, some of you may bring up other places. We all enjoy Chick Fil A as well. Um, You have all these different opinions on things. I may ask you what the best model of car to have, and there's going to be there's Fords out there, there's Toyotas out there, Chevrolets and Dodges, and everybody's got their opinion on what the, the best brand of Carter has, I could ask you what what the perfect date is. And you might say, well, it's to go to a, a nice dinner and have a nice walk in the park afterwards. Or maybe to go to a movie and have all the popcorn and the snacks. Or you might say it's April 25th because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. It's just the perfect weather. You just have to wear a light coat. But we all have opinions on what the perfect date or what the perfect this or that may be. We all have opinions. But opinions are something that that can be true depending on who you ask and may be false from other people's opinions, right? right? So we're going to speak on opinions here, reading 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 3-22. through 22. So it reads like, like this. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went ahead, went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, uh, tambourines, and sistrums and, all the cymb- and on cymbals. And when they came to Nathan's threshing floor, Uzzah put, on, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez, Uzzah, to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and, and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, uh, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and rolling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone, to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself uh, today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Macaul, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, or over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. So that's Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 3 through 22. So, a lot of reading there. I don't, usually don't read read a whole chapter of scripture, but we felt to to really uh, to help us understand what is going on here, the event that is happening here, felt necessary to to read the, the fullness of that. That scripture, but we we look here and we we see David. We'll get into the idea of, uh, of these opinions in in a moment, but we see David just to understand what's happened. The Ark of the covenant had been out of the house, out of the tabernacle, out of the, the city of Jerusalem for for several years now, and David goes and, and, and sets aside to to bring the. Ark of the Covenant back in, okay? So, so they go and he gets all the, the the men up and everything to go out there and prepare it and to to bring it back in to protect it as they bring it back into Jerusalem uh, from from Abinadab's house where it had been uh, for for some time now. And, and they go and they rise and they they take all the things that they 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 supposed to need and. And they go and they bring this new cart and they take the Ark of the Covenant out of Abinadab's house and and put it on the cart and they have Abinadab's two sons drive the cart and as they begin to take the the trek back to, to Jerusalem, the city of David and they go along, when they come to a place that was recognized as, as, as a major threshing floor, which they used for wheat and everything like that, to, uh, uh, to get there. And when they got there, something happened, and the auction began to stumble, shaking the cart, and the Ark of the Covenant began to shift. and it looked like, probably to Uzzah, at least to, to Uzzah, that it was about to, to fall off of the cart. So he went to reach out to to keep it from falling, falling off. But when he, when he touched it, we see the scripture said that it angered the Lord, uh, that, that he reached out and touched the the covenant and that he was tr- struck dead at that point. Um, David halted the whole procession, not knowing necessarily what to do, afraid for anybody else's life, uh, didn't want to risk that. He he decided to leave it at Obed-Edom's house, which was close by, and, and left it there for what we see as, as three months. Until eventually... Um, David went through some processes and, and, and realized some things they needed to do and, and they eventually brought it back in to Jerusalem. Uh, and that's where we see where McCall comes in and, and, and she is, sees that and David and she believes that he is an undignified mess basically in the way that his actions that he's acting foolish, he, he's acting immature, he's acting in a way that's not appropriate for a kingly figure, for a man of the house, for somebody that's overseas all of Israel that the king shouldn't be be acting this way according to McCall. Okay, so that's the story that we have here. But I want us to, real quick, to look at our life. And I want us to recognize that in our life we will face an innumerable amount of situations and circumstances that we will need guidance on how to handle. If you've, if you've got any age on you, you've went through many of these situations and circumstances already, right? If you're young, maybe not so many, but, but eventually if you get to be a certain age, you will have uh, went through multitude of situations and circumstances where you've had to make a difficult decision. Right? Sometimes it's, it's life or death, sadly, when we have a, a, a parent or someone that we love that's on a ventilator or something, having to, to choose maybe to, to uh, unplug the ventilator and let them go off life support, having to, to choose certain health things for our children, make those decisions, having to choose, you know, are, am I going to pay this bill this week or am I going to buy food for my, my family? We will face difficult decisions. You know, as Christians, though, we should look to God for the guidance that we need and how to make these decisions? That's right. You know, as Gilbert was teaching this morning, I was like, "Man, he, he's just—he's just hitting on everything that—that that a lot of stuff that I, that God put on my heart this week to to preach." I was like, "I'm just going to let Gilbert go ahead and, and preach this morning because he—he he obviously has my notes, so I'm just going to let him do that." Uh, but man, it just it just so much, so so I really feel like this is something that that we need to to hear. But yeah. because if we are as Christians, we should seek to find God's guidance in every decision that we make. But how is it that we know what God's opinion or plan or desire for us in certain situations are? We look at David, and obviously the the choices that David made to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem were not pleasing to God, because that's what happened. They they did it a certain way, things began to falter, all red stout and did something that, 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 that angered God, and ultimately it stopped everything in its tracks until David recognized what it was that God wanted him to do, and then God allowed the blessing to, to come back upon Jerusalem, right? So if we want to receive this guidance from, from God, then, then our best bet, the, the place to go is to look to God's Word when we're seeking what God thinks about a question that we have. We can look for Scripture. We can look for passages and parables and teachings of, of maybe Christ in the New Testament or some of the prophets in the Old Testament. We can look at some of the things that are written in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, for some kind of instruction and guidance. We can look at that some of the, the books of the history to see how God worked in certain situations through David like we've been reading or through other kings or or how some of the king's flaws led to bad things so we can know how what areas to... Avoid, but we should look to Scripture for this guidance that we seek in understanding better what God wants us to do and what God's opinion, what God's idea, what God's thoughts are on a certain situation. Now, now some things we must be aware of is that sometimes it's not just one verse that gives us the clarity of what it is that God's thoughts are about a certain Scripture, right? Sometimes we have to look at a multitude of verses across different books by different authors to get a good idea and to get a clear picture of what it is that Christ just trying to say a certain, about a certain issue or circumstance in our life, about maybe a relationship, maybe about something that a decision we have to make, maybe about some place that we're going or some place that we're tempted to go, or, or some place we're trying to struggle with of what it is that God wants us to do next. And we have to look at a fullness of Scripture and not just one verse of, of Scripture. I feel like we have a. It's very easy in today's world to have a, a, a pre built in opinion of what it is that we want the Bible to say, and to Type that into Google, what does the Bible say about letting me do this? Yeah. You know, what does the Bible say about this being okay? Instead of just, you know, looking and trying to find out what the Bible says about this issue. And we, we kind of get that bias, and we try to color it sometimes. So we have to look at the fullness of Scripture to understand and to know what God's opinion is on certain things. So if David would have done that, he would have had a better understanding of it, what it was that God desired for how to treat the Ark of the Covenant. Right? Okay, so look at this. And, and uh, there's two scriptures here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, and Exodus chapter 25, verses 14 through 15. It reads like this. So Deuteronomy says, At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to Him, and to bless in His name to this day. So what does it say? Who's supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant? The Levites. The tribe of Levi is supposed to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And then it goes down and also says, You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark and they shall not be taken from it. So we see from these two scriptures that the Levites are supposed to be the ones that bear the ark. And how are they supposed to bear them? With poles that are supposed to be in the rings. And these poles should never be removed from these rings. Very clear, right? The scripture is very simple, very clear on what God's opinion on how to carry the ark of the covenant was. Right? I mean, it lays it out pretty, pretty, pretty simple. For if you can read, if you read that, if a king read that, if a priest read that, they would understand that. But we see and we recognize that's not what they did, was it? According to the scripture, that's not how they handled transporting the ark of the covenant. They took two of the sons from from Abinadab's house that were not Levites, because if they were Levites, they'd be living in Jerusalem, they'd be in the temple, and they'd be working in, in that area. And it says that they put it on a new cart. New cart is not not poles. So they failed to look at God's opinion to make the decision on how it was that they should handle this situation, right? So if the Scripture is so clear, then then why didn't David follow it? I mean, we can ask ourselves that question too. If the Scripture is so clear about what I should do in this situation, and if God is very clear about what I should do in this part of my life, and God tells me this in this situation, and He gives me this instruction. And this part of the Bible says this, and, and the Bible tells me this. And the Ten Commandments say this, and this is instructed of me, and this is what God asked of me, and this is the example that Christ gave us, and this is what the prophets were told, and all these things. Then, why is it that we don't always follow and heed and listen to God's opinion? So before we go into I just want us to understand that it is so important for you as a Christian and a follower of Christ to know how and where to find God's opinion right. on every area of your life. Where to look, where to search, how to find the clear, unadulterated truth of what Scripture and what God is trying to tell you. We live in a, in a, t- a time and a period in history where there's all kinds of things to have opinions on, but God has a clear opinion on everything as well. And we can look to Scripture for that wisdom, for that knowledge. It might not use the same exact words that we are using in today's culture or today's society. And that's why as we study Scripture, we should also understand who it is that authored this Scripture. Was it one of the disciples? What, what background did they come from? Was it a, a Jew like Matthew that colors and, and, and helps understand what he wrote? Was it a tax collector like Mark It understood where he was coming from and these different things? Understanding who wrote it. Understanding what style of literature it was. Understanding that Psalms and Proverbs is poetry helps you understand it. We talked about in Proverbs today how is talking about a, a woman that is desirable in wisdom and a woman that was undesirable and immoral in the antithesis of wisdom. If you don't understand that's a book of poetry, you might just read it at face value and say, well, who is this woman that I need to be chasing after and who is this woman that I should be, be avoiding? But that comes with understanding that it's a book of poetry. that uses metaphors in its teaching and its words. You so you should understand the literary. You understand the historical period that it was written in. Much of the, the Old Testament was written away from Jerusalem when they were in captivity in Babylon or other places. Paul's letters was written in prison. He was written from that point of view. So we need to understand these things to have a better and fuller interpretation of Scripture so that when it comes time that we need to know God's opinion on something. Well, what do I do when I'm in a place where I'm bound or maybe I'm imprisoned, or something like that? Oh, well, Paul said this, and, and he was in prison when he wrote that. What do I do if I'm in a situation where, you know, maybe, you know, my my family's being attacked from all 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 areas and all situations? Well, David in 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 Psalms wrote several scriptures where he was being attacked by his family was being attacked and being trying to be overthrown as king and different things like that. So, understanding the Bible understanding the places and how it was written and who wrote it the literary style will help you better know what it is that God is trying to speak to you through those scriptures and have a better wisdom, have a better understanding to know the opinion of God so that you can live it out in your own life. So, but how is it that... Some things are so clear in Scripture. David didn't have to go back and and understand who wrote it. David didn't have to go back and understand everything about this. It very clearly says a Levite should bear this and they should bear it with poles. right? Very clear. So how is it that David failed to follow God's opinion on how to transport and handle the Ark of the Covenant? It's the same thing that we do. We begin inserting our own opinion into things. We begin to mix them in Or contrive some kind of of way to to make our opinion seem like it makes more sense than God's opinion. But here's where we must be wary of thinking too highly of ourselves. Here's where we must be aware that that we are human and, and God is God, that we are carnal and fleshly and temporal and God is divine and eternal. He sees everything from the beginning of creation to the end of time in, in, in pure and perfect 2020 vision and clarity, for we can barely see and understand the concepts of life going into tomorrow. So we can't look at ourselves too highly when it comes to judging the opinions of ourselves and the opinions of God. Because we too have opinions on every issue. On everything that we come across, it doesn't take us too long to begin to form an opinion on something. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear this news story? And you say, no, I didn't. And they begin to tell you, and probably before they finish their story, you have formed an opinion on how you think that story should go. We form opinions. We have a multitude of opinions on everything. These opinions are formed in many different ways. They come from our background. You're raised in Elk Valley, you're going to have a different set of opinions than somebody that was raised in Knoxville. Someone that was raised in Nashville, someone that was raised on the West Coast because you come from a different place. Who your parents are and the opinions that they had will begin to develop the opinions that you have. If you were raised rich, if you were raised poor, if you ha- have five, six, seven years uh, uh, of college education, or, or you got a trade degree and you went into work or whatever it is, it's going to color and change what your opinions are. And th- the traditions that you were raised around will also begin to impact the traditions or the opinions. That you have. And the honest truth is, is once these opinions become established in your life, they are very hard to change. They are very hard to, to edit, to remove, to, to alter in some way, because that's the opinion that you had sometimes since, since birth. Some of the first things that you heard were what your parents were saying, or what you heard on TV, from news things, and that begins to develop the opinions that you have. And oftentimes when we have these strong opinions on things, that opinion when it's challenged by God's opinion on something that's different than what we have an opinion on, we don't just surrender that very easily. It's just not like somebody presents a, a scriptural truth to us that's in conflict and challenges our opinions that we've, been, we've grown up in and we're like, oh, and we just change like, the tr- at the drop of a hat. It don't work that way. Oftentimes it goes one of two ways. Sometimes we just completely ignore God's opinion on what the Bible says. The Bible says you should be easy to forgive and forgive others and uh, just as you've been forgiven. But you were raised maybe in a, in a difficult situation. You've been hurt a lot. And your opinion is, I ain't going to give out forgiveness unless somebody's earned it. And then still I might not even forgive them. And that's your opinion on, on how to deal with people when you've been done wrong. And you look at what the Bible says and what God says and God's opinion on something... And then you look at your opinion and you're like, I think my opinion on this situation is a little bit more valid than God's opinion. I do that. Yeah. And then we just edit that part out and say, well, that's I, I can't do that or I won't do that. Most of it's I won't, not I can't. It's most of it's I won't do that because I have another opinion on this situation, and I'm going to go and follow my opinion that i followed all this time, and it's been perfect for me, right? Because the opinions that you've had from birth have never failed you never let you down. No, our opinions that we've had often fail us and let us down, where the opinion that God has will never fail you, never forsake you, never let you down, never lead you down the wrong path, never put you in a dire situation. But we do that, don't we? We look at the opinion that God has given us through Scripture, and we just kind of say no and just insert our own opinion on the matter. Or maybe we try to take God's opinion, and we take our opinion, and we're like, well, I love God, but I've got this opinion. Maybe I can just take them both in and and kind of mix them up together and and find some kind of compromise of how I should handle this situation. The Bible tells us, fail not to assemble yourselves together. Maybe you grew up in a family where weekends was you time. Every time the weekend came, Daddy went out and he fished, and you didn't see him till Monday. Because he's out fishing. Or maybe you grew up in a in a house for weekends that all you do is work. We work on during the week, but then during the weekend we work at home, we do all these things. And so you have an opinion that's different from God. So what do you do? You become to a compromise. Well, Jesus says to fill not to assemble ourselves together. That's his opinion. My opinion is the weekend's my own time, so let's just find this compromise of I'll go to church and I'll be in God's house when it's convenient. We find a compromise then. Well, I go to church when I want to, so it's still using my time the way I want it to, but I'm going to church because Jesus wants me to go to church, so so I'm still doing what God wants me to. Everybody's opinion satisfied, but in that situation, nobody's opinion is satisfied. Because God says, fail not to assemble yourselves together. Fail not is not an exceptional statement. It's a concrete statement. It can't be moved back forth. So we look at these things and, and there's all kinds of other ways. Those are the two examples that, that really that you know I felt very clearly stated this thing that that we will always have a decision to whether follow God's opinion on a matter or follow our own opinion on a matter. Now the desire is that ultimately one day we come to a place where our opinion on everything is the same as God's opinion on everything. But as long as we're living on this earth, there's going to be situations where our opinion differs from God's opinion. Right. And we have to make a decision which opinion begins to affect the decisions that we make and the choices of how we live our life. But we will always have that conflict of where the carnal has an opinion, maybe it's from your raising, or maybe it's something that you like, or whatever it is, but God has a different opinion that is divine and that is eternal and that is scripturally based. And we must choose which opinion to follow. So we see here with David that either David, or whoever he put over the operation, I don't know if he put one of his leaders over making the decisions or whatnot and preparing things, or if it was David himself, but we see that whoever it was had a different opinion than what Scripture had said. They had the opinion that bringing a new cart, nice new cart, we can think that maybe it, it, it's never been used for anything. It's its virgin voyage. It's the first time it's been out of the shop, right? New cart, nice and fancy. And using whoever was available, Abinadab's sons, was an appropriate and an effective enough way, a good enough way, to do what it was that they set out to do. And we do that, don't we? We look at what God's command is, and we'll say, well, we'll change this a little bit, tweak this a little bit, and it's good enough. It's good enough to get by and to get through. But what we see is, is that when we begin to insert our own opinions in things, when it comes down to it, we, we lay our opinion next to God's opinion. And we look at them. There might be some similarities. Well, my opinion, I still love this person, but I don't love them all the time. But God says to, to love anybody and everybody all the time, every time, whatever they go, you know. I, He is love, and if He is love, we are love, and we should show love. Well, there might be some similarities, but there's differences. I mean, look at these. They both are red checked, right? I obviously have a style that I like. I don't know how I ended up with two checked notebooks, okay? But I do. They're both red-checked, you know. They both open. They both have pages that I can write on, you know. They both are, don't weigh very much. They're, they're just very, they're very similar. But it's very clear that there's differences as well. One's a little bit bigger. One's a little smaller. One's a little shiny. One's a little flat. One has lines. One does have lines. There's differences. And when we want to lay out God's opinion beside our opinion, and sometimes it's good to do that. Just straight up, write down the scriptures on the issue of what it is that God says in the Bible about what you're going through, and then write down what you think about what you're going through, and see what's the same, and see what's different. Because when you lay them both out, whatever's different, anything that's different, as Christians and followers of Christ we should always err towards Christ's opinion instead of our opinion. Instead of inserting our little tidbits into it and saying, well, it makes me feel a little more comfortable if I can do it this way, and changing and editing things so it fits us, instead of doing that, take Him and His Word and His truth and His opinion and the differences that we have. We have to be to a place where we can humble ourselves and not think so highly of ourselves that we think our opinions equate or equal or even become greater than the opinions of God and we can lay aside our own opinions and prioritize the opinions and the thoughts and the truths and the the instructions of God. But there there is a third opinion that we deal with daily. We'll deal with our opinions. We'll deal with God's opinion. We also deal with people's opinions. Right? Yeah. I mean, in every household, if there's five people in the household, there's six different opinions, maybe seven. If you count, Satan, Satan has an opinion on everything you should do what, as well. There's all kinds of opinions going on in, in any kind of relationship, in any kind of connection, in any side of uh, any any church or any house, any workplace. There's a no no no, no, way, no way to count all the different opinions that are present there, and we have to deal with the opinions of other people as well. Because even when we allow God's opinion to reign over all of our life, we prioritize that and we do what He wants us to do, it's not always going to make people's opinion of us be positive We're well thought of. Right? I mean, look at what McCall says to, to David, right, in, in 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. She says, then David returned to bless his household. David was going to do a good thing. He was was following in God's footsteps. He was letting God's opinion of what he should do, of how he should live his life, be prioritized over all other things. He was going back to his house to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, now I want you to understand this. If you don't understand sarcasm and stuff like that, this might go over your head. Everything she says is in sarcastic tone, okay? So think of the most sarcastic person you know of. That aggravates you every time they get, and, and think of that voice, and that's how she's saying this, okay? I'm going to try to show you. how glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. I mean, she was trying to lay it on thick. She was not being in any way nice in, in, in this conversation. She was laying it on saying, you've made a fool of yourself today, David. No doubt calling him an ignorant buffoon, some foolish king, some some person that doesn't know what he's doing, immature, childlike person. What were you thinking as you did this? She did not in any way agree with what David did as he began to follow the Lord closer. As he sought to be pleasing and to follow uh, God's opinion. I mean, it even says it. It says when that he he came into the city and he was dancing and whirling about worshiping the Lord, it said Macaul saw him and what? She despised him in her heart. Her opinion of him was not very positive. And what you will realize, that as you begin to prioritize God's opinion over your own opinion to the world, their opinion of you will not get better. They won't look at you and think, man, I really respect that person for for following God's opinion, for following God's instruction. Oftentimes, it'll just bring us into greater conflict with the world, and that's the reality. David, in trying to do what God wanted him to, created conflict in his own home. And we must accept that reality. We must we must accept that truth. We must be okay with that eventuality. But at this point, let me let me bring up a question that David could have, may have even asked himself, but a question that we probably ask ourselves all the time, at least several times a week, maybe several times a day. And this is the question. What will people think of me? What will people think of me? Maybe you go to your closet. You pick out an outfit, you hold it up, and you think, what will people think of me? You look at your house, maybe the tidiness of the inside. The, the, if the outside looks looks clean, you think, what will people think of me? Maybe you look at how your kids are acting what your kids are doing or how they're dressed what will people think of me as a as a mom or a dad or a parent maybe you look at a decision that you're going to have to make you know and you weigh that you know God wants you to do this but your opinion says to do this and you think what will people think of me if I do what God says or if I do what what I want to do and you know for for the most part there's nothing wrong in that question I, I understand I understand and, and I too want to want to be respected. I, I want to present myself well. I, I want to present myself in a way that honors Christ and all that I do. I understand that. But sometimes we can take that concept, that question, that, that desire to, to be pleasing to people to an extreme place that God does not desire for us to, to go. But what will people think of me? How many times though do we go to do something and ask ourselves what will God think of me? How many times do we wake up and we're faced with a decision on on how to handle a situation and we think what will God think if I do this or if I do do that? How many times with the interaction with a co-worker or somebody in the store we laid out and God we know what God wants us to do and we know what our opinion of how to handle the situation is, and how many times do we stop and say, Well, what what would God think if I did this or if I did that? What will God think if I'm obedient to Him and follow His opinion? What will He think if, if I disobey Him and, and, and go with my own opinion? Do, do we ask ourselves that very often? And I think the reality is, I know in my life, so I speak for my own life, I ask the question, What will people think of me? a whole lot more than I ask myself, what will God think of me? That's that's, that's my reality. It may be yours. But we, we need to understand that whichever question we ask more points very clearly to whose opinion we prioritize. And the thing is that we quite often prioritize the opinion of others Over the opinion of God when making decisions in our lives. Of what we should do, of how we should live our life, of how we should treat our family, how we should treat strangers, or where we should go and what we should do. We often think of what it would do and make people how it would make people look at us in the world around us, then we think of how it makes God look at us from a stone on high. Not that he will stop loving us, but when we disobey him, it doesn't fill him with joy. It doesn't fill him with happiness or gratitude when we fail and come short and choose our opinions over his opinions. It breaks his heart. The Bible talks about how it crucif- crucifies him afresh. When we are disobedient, when we go through these problems, when we go through these things, and we choose our opinion over God's opinion. And we must accept the fact that many, there's many days in our life where the opinion of our neighbor that we only see a handful of times or the co-worker that we only go to work with Monday through Friday, their opinion is more important than God's opinion who sees us every moment of the day and who we will eventually spend eternity with. And we must recognize how damaging that could be because is that really the choice that we want to make? Is that the choice that we want to instill in our children? To be more concerned about what people think of you than what God thinks of you? Do we want the world to look at our actions and think, oh, God's okay with whatever they do as long as, they're, as, long as the world's happy with them and they're, they're fine with that. That's not how we should present ourselves as followers and believers of Christ. Amen. The world should look at our lives and say, man, everything that the Bible tells him to do, he takes God's opinion on that seriously. That's important to him. That's important to her. No matter what everybody else says about them, no matter what's going on with everything else in life, they prioritize God's opinion on every matter of life. And we need, we, we have to, as Christians, seek to get closer to that point, to to dive deeper into a relationship with Him, where we do get close to the place where my opinions resemble God's opinion we'll never get to the point where everything God, God has an opinion on, we are like because we still have this flesh. But every day we should seek to throw, push back and push aside some of the things that we've instilled in ourselves. Maybe it's our parents, maybe it was our raising, maybe it was an education, maybe it's whatever it was that instilled that opinion that is incorrect according to what the Bible tells us, to push that aside and pursue Him closer than we did the day before. And people's opinions of you might not get better. But God will be pleased with you. Amen. To in conclusion, I just want, I want, I want to state this. I understand we live in a world that's full of complex and confusing issues. Totally get that. There's things that I will face as a parent that my parents would not have dreamed of. There's things that I will face in the workplace that people in the 50s and 60s will not face in the workplace. We live in a complex and confusing times. Parenting, working, marriage, ministry, and pastoring. I've told many people the past two two years when COVID was really hot and everything, having to make decisions, I said, nobody covered that with me. And I heard every opinion on what should be done with that. That's the reality. We live in a confusing and a complex time where it's hard to know what the right thing to do is every day and in every situation and in every circumstance. As a parent, you'll be faced with things. Some days, you'll get a call from from school, and you'll be like, "I don't even know where to start with this." At work, you'll be questioned about things, and you're like, "Where do where do we go now?" Maybe even in your marriage with the things that that we are tempted with, the things that that are presented to us, the things that try to tear marriages apart. You'll get to a point where you have to make a decision, and you're like, what, what, "What's up and down?" That you, you you're just so in flux, and you don't know. How to even get out of that situation. That's reality. And I don't want to act like making the decisions and following the opinion of God in every situation is is so easy and so simple. There's going to be times where it is the hardest thing that you will ever do. But it is what we should desire to follow. We can learn from David's example. Both in his failure and and in his success in handling the Ark of the Covenant. I love the scriptures. I studied First Chronicles 15 also begins to go into this same situation. Chronicles and, and, and First Samuel they, they they parallel each other in a lot of situations. So First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 13 says this. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. talking about Uzzah and him reached out and touched in the Ark of the Covenant because everything had been prepared inappropriately. They didn't take into uh, account the Scriptures and everything like that. They did it their own way. They followed their own opinion. Because of that, the Lord God broke out against us. Because what? We did not consult Him. Amen. How powerful of a statement is that? We did not consult. Consult him about the proper order. This is David speaking here to some of his leaders and some of the priests. David recognized. He said, hey, I messed up. And my mess up cost a man his life. Reality of David's situation. But my mess up was because I did not consult him. We did not consult him. How many situations, issues circumstances have you tried to push through and to figure out a way through it by going to your own opinions trusting your own opinions trusting your own thoughts just to get to the end of it and one day realize i never stopped to consult god about this situation i never stopped to ask him i never stopped to look at his word I never stopped to question if it's what God would be pleased with, if it follows God's opinion of what I should do in this situation. I followed my own way. I did my own thing. I figured out how I wanted to do it, and that's what I did. And I never stopped to consult Him. Never stopped to consult Him. And the reality is, I know in my life, and probably most of our lives, There's been situations and circumstances where we did it our own way. And we might have got through it. But we got through it with a whole lot more pain and a whole lot more suffering than we would have if we would have listened to God's opinion on the matter at the beginning instead of looking back at it. And maybe you might have been through situations where you didn't make it through. And you just had to stop. And you just had to go back. And you had to reevaluate the whole situation and realize, I never consulted God. And it wasn't until you consulted God on that situation or that matter that you were able to find the right direction and the right guidance in that area of your life for you to get through it. If you take anything away, if there's a big idea of this sermon of this uh, of this, this day that the Lord's given us, it's that no matter what you face, what your previous opinions have been, or what the opinions other have of you may be, in all things... Consult him and prioritize his opinions of you and your situation above all else. If David would have begun by looking at God's opinion instead of going with his own or letting somebody else's opinion decide the situation, Uzo oh, wouldn't have died. A man's life wouldn't have been lost. The Ark and the Covenant would have made it to Jerusalem. And there was not always been that tinge when David looked at it of, oh, Uzzah gave his life to get this here because of my failure, because of, of my ignorance or, or my pride of thinking I could do it my way. Consult him in all things. Look to his opinion and his knowledge in all things. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So I, I pray that uh, today, if if you're at a point in your life.